I don't know, man. You ready for this one? Here we go. It begins again. Peterson. And I'm Alex Potterbaum. And we're here today for another episode of Pots v. Pete's. The Marvelous Morons. Oh yes, the Marvelous Morons. Welcome back, young Potterbaum. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. So, I mean, I feel like we got, you know, there was a lot of things to happen within the last few months. Uh, I just double-checked. The last episode came out in September which is super late for a movie that came out in July. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, I'm not working a job that's running me 50 hours a week anymore. So no, now you have no job. So now you're, you got plenty of time. I got plenty of time and I can't wait to turn this around as fast as possible. I mean, right now we're about two weeks behind still from the movie actually coming out. But that's okay, because that lets us do a spoiler-filled podcast, so. It's true. We get to spoil everything that happens, whether it matters or not, because it doesn't. Yeesh. Oh, man. I think that's a little bit of foreshadowing there, if I've ever heard any. Okay. Well, I mean, let's run down a few things that happened since the last podcast we have done. Um, unfortunately, Stan Lee passed away. Yep. That's... Uh, you know, he was an old guy. He was 96. He lived uh, a good, happy life. That's for he sure. He did. He yeah. did everything he ever wanted. He is forever cemented in the sands of time as as the creator of Marvel. And these characters are going to last a, a century, two centuries, three. Like, they're going to... He's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, exactly. He'll... He's not good. He is gone, but not forgotten. Respect to you, Mr. Stanley. Uh, the beautiful Into the Spider-Verse came out. And listen, audience, you were this close to having a Spider-Verse podcast because that was incredible. Yeah, that movie was amazing. Go see that. Yes, please do. Uh, I think if we were to do a podcast of that, like I would have to watch it again and really be for sure. But it'd be close. It, it'd probably be my first five on uh, on this podcast rating system. Yeah, it's it's pretty much exactly what I wanted it to be, and even better than I expected. So, yeah, that yeah. was a very good one. James Gunn got fired and rehired in between from when we started this podcast. That's right! Yes! Oh, my lord! Thank the Norse gods and Sobek that James Gunn is back, because that was a really close one. It, and the best thing about it, now, as a, as a DC stan, as people have called me on the Twitters... Uh, it's great that he's going to finish up, uh, Suicide Squad. Yep. So he'll fix that theoretically and then come back and do Guardians of the Galaxy. 
easily the, those two movies are easily some of the best ones by yeah. far and i'm happy that he's gay to finish off the story in his yes. own way and it wasn't gonna yes. be like somebody else using his script that would have been awful <laughs> it it could have been bad it could have also been decent there was a lot of rumors that uh uh the thor ragnarok guy to to key watiti yeah he wasn't gonna do it like pretty much i think i think they kind of ran to everybody Everybody blacklisted it, right? Everybody was yeah, just like, nope, pretty not going to do it. I don't think even Marvel was looking for anybody else because they were kind of like so mad about it. They're like, yeah, we're not going to even bother looking for people because yeah. like they were like, because it wasn't up to them that he got fired. It was like a chain of two above Disney them. people. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Alan Horn specifically. Uh, so like yeah. it was above their chain. Like they tried to be like, hey, what are you doing? And it was just like nope so i think so glad he's back yeah great move by marvel then that's probably their best you know decision and you know sticking to their guns moment that they've ever had like yeah, that's great for sure like it's nice and then now because like back in the old like when this stuff first started that would have never flowed like he mm-hmm. like this so it's good that they're sticking up for the creators a lot more than usual that'll that's that's gonna help be helpful in getting new talent in the future is you know knowing that this company will help you out yeah that's cool okay uh anything else new with your life nope same old same old well as alluded to before i quit my job and i have started a blog so if you'd like to follow me go to kirkdavidpeterson.wordpress.com and I got, I, I basically just talk about what I want to talk about on that given day. Uh, but, you know, I, there's some good stuff on there. Decent stuff. All right, bad stuff, but I wrote it so you can listen to it, all right? There. You can listen to the, you can listen to the things you wrote? <laughs> you can read it. There. All right, here we go. This is our review for Captain Marvel Shazam No, wrong one. Correct company. You got it. you got it right. Let's let's pretend that's <laughs> what we're let's pretend that's what we're talking about. Billy oh. Batson is part of the foster care people and the foster care people. <laughs> He's just one part of the foster care people. It's just like an after-school group you just hang Billy, out at. Billy Batson has joined Foster and the people, and he's making some jams. He's got all the pumped-up kicks. Oh, no! No! Why would you say that? Because I can. <laughs> Captain Marvel a.k.a. Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Veers. Is that what they called her? Yeah, Veers. Uh, I couldn't tell if they were saying Veers or Fierce. So yeah, I think it's, I I think think it's, it's supposed to... I think it's supposed to, like, sound like Fierce with, like, a V, though. Yeah. Um, Veers. And, like, that's a cool little, I guess, you know, word association. Because we have Nick Fury as the other main character, and we have Fierce, or Veers, as the other character. So, Fury, Fierce... Uh, it's kind of fun. I don't know. Little wordplay. Uh, Carol Danvers is part of Cree. She uh, is, and and is Cree the alien species, or is that the what they call the warriors? That's uh, the uh, that's kind of both. That's more of like the civilization, I think, than anything. So like, um... regardless, she's more or less a Green Lantern Association warrior group 
they go out and they fight their main nemesis, the Scrolls, and they're basically in an intergalactic war. And so they're going back and forth. She gets captured by these scrolls, and in kind of a quick, you know, spur of the moment, she goes off to Earth. And it's Earth in the mid-90s, uh, 19, uh, I guess, 96, 95. Yeah, 95, 96. Either way, she has these memory issues. She doesn't know who she is. She gets these flashbacks at kind of random moments, and she goes out trying to discover who she is as well as what's going on with the Korean scrolls, and they happen to be intertwined. That's the basic gist, the concept of of this movie, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I got it. Um, anything else we think we should add? Or She meets up with Nick Fury. That's important to note. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> about all I got. <laughs> let's let's get into the juicy stuff yeah <laughs> so these are our goods uh would you like to start no you're definitely starting <laughs> so the first thing that i really liked about this movie uh is that it's a mystery movie first somebody on twitter i describe it as a buddy cop movie uh between carol and nick fury that makes sense i like it that's I'd fine agree with that uh and the plot points were easy to follow and since we're going into spoilers uh, I really like the fact that they had the scrolls uh, and how they were handled, that they were, you know, essentially the good guys of this war. Yeah, I I agree on that one. That's something I really appreciate out of it, just because in the comics they're always villainous, and that's kind of, I think, subverting expectations not for only, uh, like, how they look and how these, like, all this, like, all the, like, they've been set up, but also just as for, like, comic fans, everyone's like, the scroll are evil, and it's kind of like, well, no, not, not, not here, which is good. Yeah, it's interesting to see their point of view on all these things. My second thing that I really liked a movie is that the climax is high up there as one of my favorite of the whole MCU. I really loved that she was, like, bound by this uh, simulation thing in her brain, and, like, the whole fight was internal you know for the most part and going through you know all the times in her life that she fell and that she kind of get back got back up and it's it's really really nice imagery and all that talk this that was a really great turn of like no i'm more powerful than this and i can take you all out and uh it was a great little motivation it is followed up with kind of a generic action scene but nonetheless they did a really cool you know psychological thing that that kind of psychological like weird like what's real what's not what's a memory what isn't is is kind of my jam when it comes to superhero movies so uh marvel finally doing something like that was was a really great uh experience for me so my third point is that brie larson is great in general uh she has great facial reactions she's a great you know delivers every line pretty fun i believed her in every action scene if they used a stunt double uh, which i'm sure they did um i couldn't exactly tell when she seemed authentically you know fighting in those giant cuff things uh overall she did she did a phenomenal job with what she had now there's some things that i would fix with her character in terms of plot and writing but that's not that's not Bree's you know fault there so brie larson in general is really great and those are my three good points. Nice. Yes, thank you. I like your three points. Oh, thank you. And now, I will break you. Oh, thank you. Uh, 
Do you do you like them enough that you just agreed with all of them? We don't have to talk about it all. Oh uh, no, I've I've got three different ones. <laughs> so no, right. sorry, sorry. Mine That's, are all right. mine, mine are brief though, which is gonna be a backhanded compliment right there. Um, uh oh. One, I love goose. I'm <laughs> I'm obviously biased towards liking animal sidekicks because I <laughs> work with animals and like animals, but like goose was just the man, like. Goose, and it was like because we figure out that uh, Goose is a cat of one of the characters, like somebody's pet cat. Uh, that you figure out is not a cat; it's a weird, creepy monster alien thing that can. It eat is a flurkin. A flurkin that can eat like crazy, like powerful objects and numerous people with like giant tentacle mouth before turning back into a cat. Uh, like, it's, like it sounds so dumb and like you can imagine that joke would get old but it's great like i thought the running joke was going to be that it would never be a flurk and it was just always going to be a cat and then it turned into that monster thing i'm like you know what i'm strangely like this is great like this is almost as like just as funny of a joke so- you had a better reaction to that than i did uh, because when those tentacles came out of the of the Flurkin's mouth, I was just like, what? <laughs> like, how is this even foreshadowed or whatever? I was just like, this is the dumbest thing. Uh, and then in my second viewing, I realized that was uh, Lawson's cat, Marvell's cat. Yeah, so. that was, yeah, no, that I was, was like, okay. Yeah, that right. was her cat that, like, probably was around to somewhat protect her. Like, right. Um, I'm just going to guess that, but either way, like, it was... And my last viewing of it, like, I realized that it's actually a really good indicator of who's good and who's bad. It doesn't attack the scrolls because the Flurkin knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was definitely what happens. Yeah, that cat definitely knows, like, who's good and who's bad. Uh, Also, the Top Gun reference of, like, naming it Goose? Hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, I didn't catch that. I'm not a Top Gun fan. Ah, Top Gun's amazing. Uh, my second one is I love just I just miss I miss Samuel Jackson in these Marvel movies and like even though he's not really the same because he's a lot more lighthearted in uh, in this a lot like less serious but at the same time he adds a lot of energy to this movie that it desperately needed. Yeah, he was he was great and watching him work and do his thing. I just read an interview with him not too long ago and he's like, "Yeah, give me like 800 more of these movies. Like I'm ready to do them." And he's like, "I hate actors or I hate the idea that some actors are like only oh, do two movies a year." And he's like, "I don't I don't understand that. This is the best job in the world and I just want to do as mov- many movies as I can." Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see more Nick Fury and and, and get further into that. So, yeah. And then, just on top of that, the rest of the cast... My third point is the rest of the cast was also phenomenal. Especially Ben Mendelsohn. Like, it was a little bit of a gag, like, character slash villain slash ally. But at the same time, like, his deadpanness at times was great. <laughs> like, at one point they asked him if they could, uh... Since he's a scroll and can transform to anything, they asked him <laughs> if he could turn into a filing cabinet. And he just deadpans, like... Why would I ever turn into a filing cabinet? Like, that dry humor, especially the second time seeing this, was so appreciated. Like, I was, like, counting down the minutes until he came back. I was like, thank God. I'll give you 50 bucks if you could turn into a Venus flytrap right now. <laughs> that whole thing, that, that whole line is, like, when Marvel's jokey quippiness is used correctly, is, like, yeah. moments like that where, like, 
you know, it totally makes sense that these characters are just kind of razzing on him, and then just, like, it's in, like, a tense moment, but at the same time, not, like, in the middle of an action scene. Like, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was definitely great, great stuff. I had problems with him, again, just like Brie Larson. Uh, yeah. The problems I had with him were not his fault. Uh, I don't know what exactly you have, but I have definitely something that's just like, how did this get past Oh yeah, no, I'm, yeah, no, you, you go for it. Cause I'm sure yours are going to be more eloquent than mine, but, uh, yeah. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, those were our three good points. And now we are on our way to the bad. Okay. So when you review things, people tell you not to rewrite the movie. It didn't exactly stop us when we did Thor and we talked about how we would kind of just redesign that whole movie, which Honestly, like, thinking back on that podcast, that was kind of one of our more fun ones. It's just like, this is how I redo it. And it's not like I want to redo this whole movie. But there's some plotting issues that is kind of astounding. It kind of went out the way that it did. Now, to be fair, this is a completely fine... To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. (laughs) My point being... Uh, this is a perfectly fine movie the way it is, uh, but I think there was moments they could have fleshed out uh, to make to make this much better than it is. So here's some of the plotting that I think could be fixed. Uh, now, I say that this was a mystery movie. Would you agree with that? I, I guess it's like that amnesia type of movie where like the yeah it's kind of like a noir you know where they have she has amnesia she's trying to figure out who yeah she is. except the mystery is like solved almost instantaneously and we're just we're waiting for it to catch up that is exactly kind of my point this as a mystery movie everything gets wrapped up 50 minutes i timed it the last time i watched it everything the last thing you needed to know about the movie is wrapped up 50 minutes before the movie ends 50 it's a two-hour movie and we can't have like one last little like thing she learns about at the last minute you know when she's in uh that simulation with annette benning you know with lawson yeah like it was why can't we have like a final realization about something there i i equate it to this frozen is a super weird musical because the last song of that movie is a bit of a fixer-upper by those troll rock things. And that's, like, also halfway to the movie is done. That's a weird musical. Why would that be the last song? Why is there not a reprisal? Why is there not uh, anything, you know, a better song, you know, of the sisters coming together or something like that? There is nothing. It's just a bit of a fixer-upper. Super weird last song to have in that movie. Much like a musical having the last song be about 40 minutes until the movie ends, it is super weird to have a mystery with the last clue and everything wrapped up about 50 minutes in. So this is how I would fix it, okay? Dan? She she finds out at this point that they did not die from the crash. They landed. She's about to blow up the engine. And then um, Jude Law comes in and kills... Uh, Lawson, not a scroll, Jude Law, a Kree. So she finds out that the Krees are the bad guys. Very good. But then in the movie as it is right now, we find out that she blows up the engine right then and there. And 
she blows it up and that's how she got her powers. She makes that realization uh, realization and and connection. In my rewrite of this, we don't figure out that she blew up the engine right there. Mm-hmm. So we find out that Jude Law is the bad guy and that she killed Lawson. But she still thinks that the Kree gave her her, her photon blast powers. Oh, that's smart. I see where you're going with this. And then so when she's in the simulation, she's getting thrown off, thrown down, but she gets back up. And in that montage, the last thing she gets thrown down for was blowing up the engine. And the engine is what gave her her powers. And she makes that realization and she bursts through the change. She takes out the the thing that's limiting her and she goes off and it is a stronger character because of that, uh, you know, uh, physically. That is how you keep that mystery kind of alive and going until that moment. Like, it's just like, oh, you think you were done? Here's the final twist. Uh, there's a couple other things I would fix plot-wise uh, and character-wise with um, Brie Larson. Uh, they make her out in the Cree religion or Cree uh, culture. You're supposed to be monotone. You're supposed to be a thinker before a feeler. Uh, you're supposed to be rational as a Cree person. Why not then? Like, she's been six years into this. And she's still, like, cracking jokes as if she's Tony Stark. And I don't want her to be less funny than she is right now. I just want her to be, like, fully invested into the Kree world where she's completely uh, monotone. So I would think about it as, like, as if she's Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Just completely dry and sarcastic with all of her delivery. And make her you know, more down of a, of a character as, as a Cree. Then you find moments where she can blemish a little and let herself go and be, you know, more charming. I was thinking of the first time would be like when she's in the cockpit with uh, Samuel Jackson and they're flying away after that big fight. That'd be a good little tender moment where she can like crack a joke and start laughing and like lose herself a little bit. So, I made this complaint after we saw the movie initially with Ethan and Ethan was like, well, that's the point. That's why she's telling jokes all the time. And it's like, I get that, but I think this way will make that point even stronger is that, you know, that emotions are stronger and emotions are, are, are an asset, not a, not a hindrance is if she's fully invested like this and is like this. And I say all of this, not because I think the movie should be re- reworked that way, but that's because they did it in a particular scene. When she meets up with Rambo the first time, she's completely dead in the face, even though she's meeting a potential friend of hers, right? Yeah. And that whole scene is played off like she doesn't know what's going on, and like she's playing it back. She's playing it rationally rather than emotionally. So I don't understand why that couldn't have been her thing throughout the whole rest of the movie. In fact... Like, if I were to put on my tinfoil hat and, like, get a guess at things, like, the original draft and the shooting draft of the script is exactly that, and that was one of the first scenes they shot. And then later on, they were like, how about we just have her be more funny throughout the rest of the movie? Or that was something one of the five writers came up with. Yeah, potentially something like that. So, like, I love Bree's performance in that. But I feel like if they fix up the plotting a little bit and was committed to that idea, that could be a way stronger um, 
moment and stronger like theme of the movie uh is that you know these emotions are stronger than than your rational thoughts uh which as the movie as it is now is perfectly fine with that they got it okay but it could be so much stronger and better if they fully committed to that idea so that went on a little longer than i was expecting so i'll try to make these next ones quick um so my second point is that the special effects were shockingly bad in this movie uh none of the makeup for the scrolls looked great and like don't get me wrong i'm very appreciative that they did it practically and not just a cgi creature but ben mendelson could not talk out of the out of the mask out of the out of the prosthetics at all and that's such an easy fix you just adr his dialogue over his performance you know yeah uh that was a super weird thing so that was my problem with Mendelssohn's performance. Uh, and then, like, when she's falling down, when Brie Larson, the Captain Marvel, is falling down at the end of the at, at the end of the movie before she hits Earth again uh, with the mask on. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That looked like it's straight out of, like, the late 2000s CGI job. Like, you know, when Edward Norton jumps out of the helicopter at the end of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, oh, yeah. It looked like both. that. It looked just as good as that it's like it was not great did we have 11 years in between these two movies like why is it looking this bad and my another tinfoil hat theory is that all of the money that went for the special effects went to samuel l jackson because he looks consistently incredible in this movie yeah i'd say that they prioritized uh his look over a lot of other things um i know the industry has a lot of um, ways that, like, they don't really treat the special effects agencies that well, so yes. they don't always get the time to polish stuff, so I think when push came to shove, yeah, they prioritized... Samuel L. Jackson sure. over Brie Larson flying around in space, which right. it, it doesn't look horrible. Like, the colors are pretty and all that stuff, but, like, it's definitely CGI, and I feel like every moment like the cat is doing something that's not exactly cat related is also really bad. Yeah. It wasn't a particular, like in terms of like quality wise, it wasn't the best. I very much, again, I very much appreciate that they went practical with the, with the makeups and scroll design, but, but man, like the, this movie seemed to really take a step back from the previous movies, especially when Ant-Man was so decent with their special effects. Yeah, they did way a really good job with theirs, and Infinity War also as well. So I think yeah. this one just didn't get the time it needed. I think a lot. I I'm gonna guess that more resources went into Infinity War than this. Yeah, uh, I, you would be correct. I would I would also assume that is also true. My third thing is that anything to do with fan service seemed really out of place and dumb in this movie. The Tesseract, again, to be fair. It worked a lot better the second time I watched that movie because then I realized, oh, uh, she took it from S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever and is using that, the Tesseract, as the, you know, base for her research about uh, uh, light speed, uh, for her light speed engine. That makes sense that she's using the Tesseract to source the power for her technology. But, like, is Pegasus part of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I think it was just a government agency. So, so I how'd don't she know for sure? So how she get the tesseract from Shield? Because as we all know, or maybe you don't, but I'll remind you, 
is that to, uh, Howard Stark, Tony Stark's father, grabbed the Tesseract at the very end of Captain America, the first one, the first Avenger. And yep. so, S.H.I.E.L.D. has had the Tesseract for all those years. So, how did she get that? And how come, like, Fury or Coulson didn't talk about how the Tesseract was gone or something like that? Some kind of throwaway dialogue of just like, oh, our... Uh, product one two three four or whatever is got is missing still and like we need to get that found by the end of the thing like i don't know when i first watched it seeing the tesseract be there felt super out of place yeah it was yeah that's we'll get into that but yeah agreed. it's the fourth time in this series that the tesseract was the main MacGuffin, and that's super weird um fury losing his eye is dumb and it could have been so much better the concept and idea that fury lost his eye to a cat is hilarious but and when i watched it at the end of the movie i was like that was super lame what could have made this so much better is if it was a running gag of the whole movie so which they almost started with at the first scene they have him crash the car uh and like, it looks like he made some damage in the eye area. It's like, ooh, uh-oh, that's not good. And then, like, he has the ice pack on, and the mortician, or or Ben Mendelsohn, I forget who, was just like, oh, how's your eye, by the way? And he's like, yeah, it's good. You know, and he reveals his eye is still there. Yeah, that's I that's a that good beginning. Be, I thought that was going to be way more of a running gag, but yeah, that's right. literally it. Right. So, the next time you do something is... Uh, after he has that fight scene with Ben Mendelsohn at Pegasus at the archives, then, you know, he hits his eye hit a couple times and Brie Larson as Captain Marvel is just like, oh, how's your eye? And he's like, yeah, never better. It's good. You know, you do that the second time. Then, you know, the third time, either the cat or you do something before the cat. Granted, that is a joke they would have had deliberately stolen from Hot Tub Time Machine, but... It's a pretty good joke. So, eh, eh, eh. yeah, I don't know if Hot Tub Time Machine was like the originator of the like, you know, building up to like something you know is inevitably going to happen and like teasing out that. But yeah, essentially they would have gone with that gag, which is a classic gag <laughs> for sure. Like, yeah, that was a wasted opportunity. It's super weird to have that. Like, it'd be better, you know, it'd be better if they thought of something better, you know. But, like, they started a running gag and then didn't follow up to it until it happened at the end. And that's super strange. It's Doctor Strange. <laughs> oh, is there a fake name now? <laughs> yeah, all of that's one of my bads, too. So, um, the callbacks into past Marvel stuff and how it's treated... I don't mind that it happened. It's just, it's weird because on one hand, this is a standalone movie. On the other hand, this is essentially the 21, 21st episode of a chronology of running movies. So I sort of get why this thing happens, but whenever it's not treated, like in those earlier movies, it was treated with like, respect is the wrong word, but like, it was like some, it was some serious stuff. Like, this showed up and you're like, oh, this is something that's really powerful. And here it just kind of, like, shows up. And, like, Brie Larson's just tossing it around and it's in a lunchbox and, like, yeah. the cat eats it. Like, 
it's there's none of that gravitas of this thing is like legitimately able to destroy a world like yeah which is it's, again, it's strange because we saw the potential of it after infinity war like yeah, the last movie that Avengers, we just watched like you know avengers had used it to open a rift in space like this yeah. thing is like and you know like and it's almost i don't know if it's even breaking continuity that she's able to pick it up and toss it around because like other characters have done that and died like yeah died it like it's like a legitimately like a like heroin exerts like grab it uh like so it's very strange to see that yeah if you're a fan of these movies and like the cat's playing with the tesseract and it's like but shouldn't the cat be warped away into space like um like red skull was yeah i can i guess i can accept the cat doing it because the cat's like clearly like this weirdly powerful thing like, it doesn't make that much sense, but, like, I guess I can, like, go on given the fact that it's, like, an alien. But Brie Larson's just a person. Like, she's a very powerful person, but so was Peter Quill. That kid was, like, half almost God, and he, it almost killed him. Like, again, like, yeah, all these, like, all these people have, like, touched it. And, like, even, like, Ronan, we will get to in just a second, but, like, yeah, like, it's no reverence like no it's just an object in this and it's weird um and a lot of other things are just objects because they were in previous movies uh like ronan he wasn't a great villain he was a terrible villain but he was at least built up in guardians of the galaxy to like and here he just existed and like for no reason at all it was just because like he was in a movie and then he like and then the very end he like of his scene he lets off like a like I'll get Captain Marvel next time. And it's like, but you're not going to because we know you're going to die. So, like, why bother ha- Why bother having you in the first place? Like, you, you, don't, you just existed because you were also a Kree. It's just a frustrating thing because that's just a symptom of this movies is now everybody expects everything to, like, happen, which I guess leads into my second point of if you, this is your first Marvel movie, I am so sorry. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I, I get that, like, I, okay, so for, like, Avengers Infinity War, and especially the Endgame movie coming out, it's the sequel of other movies. You probably should know. Like, I'm not gonna, that one is, makes sense if, like, having, you know, like, building off of other stuff. So, like, if you just pop into this one, it's like, you're popping in at the wrong time. Like, you you kind of, like, know that intrinsically as the audience. But Captain Marvel is theoretically, like, a fresh start because it's a fresh character and, like, in a timeline before almost anything else happens. Like, an issue one, if you will. Yeah, an issue one. It's, like, before, the only thing that's happened previously before that is, like, captain america and like maybe one or two flashbacks in previous movies and like that's it but like you start off in space with the kree who they never explain anything about with just this character and like in this huge space mission and just throw you all into this intent this new city that's new for everybody this new culture new everything else like that and then no again like and then like characters like ronan show up and you're like but who is this person? Like, you never introduced anything else like it at all. And That's a good point. That, if you don't know who Ronan is, why, like, 
why would you see that scene and be like, oh, that looks like like a bad guy? Ronin, or like, yeah, like, and then the Tesseract, like, and then, again, if you don't know what the Tesseract is, it has no significance to you whatsoever. It's just a magical, like, blue cube, and then it just, that's it, instead of knowing what it actually is, which is, like, one of the most powerful objects in all of existence. Because of that, it's like, it's... It's very combination of like weirdly structured and pacing and weirdly structured in what it how it doles out information and it's just really frustrating to me. It was like watching this was like almost kind of frustrating of like I know exactly what's happening, but I can't help but feel like I know there's other people who would struggle and I'd feel for them if that makes sense. Um so I guess that's my second complaint. Um, I would argue that it's not a good mystery. Um, it's it's set up like a mystery, but uh, which I guess leads into my third point of the whole movie is about figuring out who Carol Danvers is. Uh-huh. I don't know who that is. Like, I've seen <laughs> this movie twice, and I legitimately just, like, I couldn't tell you because she doesn't discover herself. She discovers things that happen to her yeah she discovers she never, facts she doesn't she discover facts. herself she doesn't learn anything else about herself she doesn't change as the movie goes through and then like her as a character before she learns all this stuff is pretty much the exact same character as at the end of the movie she's just learned new facts about herself and like it just doesn't it's just so not compelling because one, you figure out the mystery way before and she ever does like way beforehand. It's, it's not hard to figure out what happened. I, um, I, I will some... say that I always thought Jude Law was the bad guy, but I didn't like, I didn't put those pieces together until the movie had it. Yeah. That was the only thing that came out like, surprising. It was like, Oh, Jude Law's the villain. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like that was the only thing that yeah, was cause like, he's oh, working okay, but... for Ronan. <laughs> like we all yeah, know that exactly. it's not going to end up well. But yeah. Like everything else like that was just like, just not, I don't know who that character is. And it's sad, but it's also a stock problem of she's just another cutout Marvel character, Marvel movies character. Like, she acts just like Tony Stark and just like Ant-Man and just like all these other characters. And it's a bummer because we had the chance to like have her be unique and she's not, it just sounds terrible to say it, but she's not. And it's not Brie Larson's fault. It's, it's the fact that she's giving nothing truly unique like, not even her, like, getting back up after she's been knocked down. And they did that in Captain America. Like, they've done well, that all these... They did it in Captain America. It's straight up Batman yeah. Begins motto, you know. Yeah. Uh, like... Here comes the cliche, <laughs> yeah. compare this to Batman Begins speech, Kirk has always. But, I mean, this is legit exactly Batman Begins. Which is fine. If you're going to steal from the best, you know, steal it. And... You know, I I personally think they stole it okay. Uh, are you ready to rate this? Yep. All right, folks. We are on our way to the rating. All right. We are doing a five-star system, much like the old Netflix tradition. Nowadays, it's letterboxed. Uh, one star means we hate it. Two stars means we really didn't like it. Two, uh, Three stars means we liked it okay. Four stars means we really liked it. And five stars means we loved it. 
Mr. Potterbomb, what do you rate Captain Marvel? 2.25. Wow. Man, I felt nothing at this movie. Oh my god. The first god. time I saw it. I, I saw it the second time and I just... I just don't wow. particularly liked it that much. Like I was not I expecting that at all. I was just... I just didn't care. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just didn't care about this movie. Oh, like, it had its moments of levity, but, like, second time through was not... I, I did not go to a second time to enjoy it. I just did it so that I would, like, you know, have... That Make experience. sure I knew what I was talking about. For the podcast, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, when it comes out on sale, I want to seriously debate whether I spend money on it again. Like, um, yeah. Probably I... wait for it to be, like, $15 or less. No. Oh, if it's, like, wow. less than 10 bucks, like, like, it's a Black Friday sale, and it's like, okay. I'm not going to lie, Mr. Potterball. I did not expect this. Uh, for... People that don't know, we have, like, a group chat, and you post it on there, you're like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> no, I said it was fine. I was like, eh, like, eh, and just 2.25 seems like the most, like, yeah, like, it's almost at a 50%, and I just couldn't just add that 0.25. Wow. I just don't want to. <laughs> I know where you're coming from for sure. Because the first time I watched this movie, like, I had this continual sinking feeling that's just like, I'm watching a legit bad Marvel movie. Uh, it wasn't. It's not a taste thing, like, uh, with those special effects and how they did the plot. I know you liked Ben Mendelsohn, but when he, you know, came in with the cup and came in with a couple other things, it's just, it seemed like a complete 180 of what his character was before. Oh, yeah. It was not executed well at all. But when every time I watch this movie and I put those same criticisms up, I find explanations. Goose was in something I did not care for and was really confused to buy, but then I realized, oh, that's Lawson's cat. The more pieces of the puzzle I was able to notice, the more complete of a picture it came out to me. Um, and again, it's a fine movie, so that's why I've given it a 3.25, which is ultimately a good, fun ride. And, uh, like, I liked it okay. Yeah, it's just, it exists, and it's fine. It's not the worst thing I've seen. I If I had to be, like, tied down and forced to watch a movie, this would definitely be, like, not a problem, but... You know, that's how we feel about the movie. It's okay. I've been Kirk Peterson. And I am still Alex Potterbaum. And this has been Potts v. Pete's. The Marvelous Morons. Are you gonna do, like, a pun, or...? Uh... I don't have a pun. Uh, this has been a marvelous time. Can't, uh, can't, can't wait to see you later. That's good. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> good night, everybody. Excelsior. by the astonishing Aquila Galusha. Your hosts have been the uncanny Kirk Peterson and the amazing Alex Padova.
tune in next time for a very special episode of Pots B Peats. The Marvelous Morons. <laughs> <laughs>